When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Uh, not a good night for the Blue Jays. They are batting in the top of the eighth on the road against the Miami Marlins. It is 10-0 for Miami. Tough goal. Elks back at practice today. Head coach Chris Jones commenting on the mood of the team today. Today's get get the bad taste out of your mouth, you know. Uh, when you when you don't score a point and they beat you soundly, um, we competed early, you know, until the until the turnovers and that type of thing. And uh, it was it's a get the taste out of your mouth day, and that's kind of what we uh, using today for. All right. Well, yeah, a lot of bad taste to get out of their mouths uh, as Blake Dermott, our in-game analyst for the Elks, joins us here on Inside Sports. Uh, Blake, I know you didn't lose a lot of games in your career, but do you understand what Coach Jones is saying? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there were there was big games that we lost, and, uh, uh, and a lot of them uh, over the course of 14 years, a lot of games that we lost. And yeah, that's the thing you got to do as as a, as a pro. Uh, um, you got to you got to move forward. You got to get past that and and move on. And um, and you literally have to get that, especially as bad a performance as that was. You got to get that out of your out of your mind and, and uh, certainly out of your mouth. And I mean, let's let's be honest here. Not not the whole team played poorly. I thought you know the defense, uh, which was on the field an awful lot, almost ten minutes more than uh, what their offense was. Uh, uh, you know, only gave up one touchdown. And, uh, and forced uh, BC to kick a bunch of field goals. Um, and some of them after, you know, uh, gift-wrapping uh, gift them a field position. And, uh, but, uh, but it is a, you know, it's a team game, and there's uh, all those guys that are there, and everybody takes the loss the same way. So, so it's, uh, it's, it's something that uh, this, this young team, and people have to remember, this is the youngest team in the league, and uh, um, you know they, they're going to have to learn to, how to deal with these kinds of things. But you hope you don't have to you have to swallow too many of those lessons. All right. So as you know, because you, you did the points after show, and I even said it earlier, there are a lot of calls to change the quarterback. I mean, I'm ready to see what Kyle Oxley can do at this point. It appears unlikely that's that's going to happen, at least for the start of the game on Sunday. Tell me what it does to a team when the coach actually says at the start of the week of practice, okay, it's no longer player A, it's no longer player B. Does that send a ripple throughout the roster or are guys just like, hey, business as usual, just with a different quarterback? What, what does it do to a club when the quarterback's changed? Um, well, it, it, can be, uh, it, it can be one of those things that can be disruptive, um, you know, especially when, you know, everybody came out of training camp believing that uh, – that, uh, 
Taylor Cornelius was the number one guy. And I, and I think to a man on that team, they believed that that was the case. Um, so if you see that number one guy, you know, uh, not being involved or not having an injury or not having any kind of a thing that would impact his play, and, um, and then obviously see um, the results of that over the last couple of weeks, um, it's going to be it's going to be something that uh, that guys are uh, uh, you know uh, are going to notice, and 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 part of it could be good. I mean, because now you, you, you and there's always this part, especially like even in hockey, you know, when you put in the backup goalie, the number one guy gets pulled, the backup goalie gets in, and and there's like, well, okay, now I got to do better. I got to or next it could be me. I mean, there's that kind of mindset, and and we got to support this guy, and we got to help him out. We got you know that it could be positive that way. But uh, but it, it can it can be it can be disruptive. Uh, well, yeah, and, and it appears that Christian like, where do you because look, the, the fans are emotional and and they should because I mean that that get, that game wasn't even exciting to watch. I mean it's one thing for them to lose; it's another thing where it's like we're not even making plays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that so I, I get the I I get the frustration, um, but when. Jones says, "Well, we got to keep coaching him, and we got to work on his confidence." Does that still make sense to you at this point? Well, you only got you only have three quarterbacks, and right now the only one with any kind of experience in the, in the league is is the one that he's been riding as number one. Um, so, if you um, um, if you believe that it's worth salvaging, which we I believe it is because of what uh, what he was able to do last last year. Uh, you know, there was there was moments where he looked. Uh, like a uh, CFL quarterback, and but I don't think that he was surrounded with CFL type players. Uh, this year, they, I think they went out of their way to try to surround him with CFL type players, and and uh, and he hasn't performed even close to where he was last year. Now, let's let's be honest. I mean, uh, one of the things uh, after the first game, we heard uh, Chris Jones say at the end, of, you know, after the game in the press, he said that. Uh, um, I believe in the concepts of our offense, but I think we're going to have to we're going to have to simplify those comp, uh, concepts. Now, that wasn't directed at the quarterback only; that was directed at other guys that were having trouble making whatever adjustments you have to make in the, in the middle of a play. And then, and then after this last game against BC, Chris Jones came out there and said, after the game, and said, "Well, we we have to, you know, from a coaching standpoint, we have to make sure we're calling plays that we." That our players have confidence, and 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 more, and, and I think this might have been directed towards Taylor Cornelius. Is we have to that they have confidence in being able to have success with. And so, you know, to me, that that's that's not just pointing the finger at one guy or one group of people. That's some of the coaches uh, taking some of the uh, uh, the credit for this loss as well. So, you know, they're, they're still learning what they can do with these guys. And it's, it is only the second game. And people have to remember that when it, when Chris Jones went to Saskatchewan, I think I said this last week, he went to Saskatchewan. His first year he was 4-14. and 14, and The second year they were one third down conversion away from going to the Grey Cup. But they started out that season at 2-4. and four. So... It wasn't like they just rode uh, through the, the schedule. They had their ups and downs, and I believe they're still going to. But there's got to be some sign of life. And, uh, you know, in that first game, uh, uh, there was some sign of life uh, against Saskatchewan because they had a lead at the halftime, and they had decent yardage and everything else. But there was no adjustments made in the second half. They went from 189 yards of offense to 
to I think they ended up with like 240 yards of offense. It was like 60 yards uh, uh, is up all they had in the second half. Well, this this last game, you know, some of the stats: 11 first downs, 11 first downs. I remember playing a game in, in Ottawa. Of course, this was uh, 1989. We had 41 first downs in that game. Um, they had 11 first downs, 54 yards of rushing, and we've been talking about how good the rushing the running game is. 98 yards passing. When was the last time you heard, well, mind you, uh, last year when uh, Winnipeg came to, to Edmonton, and I think Calaris had less than 100 yards of passing, and they still beat you. Yeah, the but they won. Yeah, yeah. that's the big <laughs> but, right? Yeah. So, so it just doesn't this – this was an absolute anomaly. You know, when you consider that the last time the, the Edmonton organization was shut out was 1976, almost 50 years ago. I remember after the game them talking about – uh, when BC had last shut out an opponent, they, they, they couldn't. They, I don't know what date it was, but they said that it only happened three times in their in their uh, the team's existence. So we're talking about a rarity, and uh, yeah, this doesn't happen very often. And, and I think that uh, um, the coaching staff and the organization is going to do whatever they can to never let this happen again. Well, uh, I, I would hope so. Uh, Blake Dermott joining us tonight at Inside Sports. I, I want to mention something I brought up earlier because I'm curious what you're going to say about this because I, 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 we've been doing this together 10 years and I know that sometimes I say things and you absolutely roll your eyes, which I appreciate. <laughs> but I said, okay, so Chris Jones, to me, went out on a bit of a limb and drafted this guy in his mid-30s, a kicker from England who has been kicking in, the, in America. Uh, but nonetheless, kind of a, an off-the-board pick. And he's supposed to have this massive leg, and we hear these uh, Paul Bunyan tales that he kicked a 67-yard field goal in practice. And he has opportunities in the first half to try a 52-yarder and a 51-yarder, and he passes it up. I understand punting for field position, but if you didn't, but if you dr- if, if you didn't draft this field goal kicker to try long field goals, why did you draft him? <laughs> Yeah, you know, Reed, uh, I, I'm, I'm not rolling my eyes, believe me. Um, I, <laughs> I, I had those same thoughts during the game. Um, you know, I, I, I was wondering why. I mean, I you know, heard the same thing. And the only thing I can say is that, you know, I'm not at every practice. I don't see every kick, and I know they chart every kick. So maybe maybe they're, maybe through the charting, through the, the uh, um, you know, the analytical that they've done with them, his range is, you know, consistent from 40 to 47 and if you stress it at that point of the game look who's running downfield to cover and this is always the issue i mean the lions have their their returner uh the, the previous game i think had 45 yards of field goal returns so you've got a bunch of 320 pounders trying to run down the field and make a tackle uh, 51 yards you risk not only missing the field goal and, and that kind of stuff but also giving up huge yardage and potentially a touchdown and I think that uh, I, I, that's obviously something that would have had to come into play in that decision-making. But for me, it's certainly on the first one, I'm thinking, why aren't you kicking this? I, I thought the same thing. But I would understand why a coach makes that decision um, with, uh, uh, with the situation the way it is with the players that are on the field. Well, yeah, and I just wonder. I, I mean, I, and I get the risk, you know. If it's if it's if it's wide, it's probably or it's short, so the guy's probably starting around his own goal line, and it's Terry Williams who's good. I I, I get the risk reward, but y- you know, it, 
having a lead in that game could have made all the difference. Because it's not as if BC, I mean, I looked at the stats, Blake. I, I know BC wound up with 400 yards of offense. They got almost half of that in the last about 23 minutes of the game. You know? Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's not like, it, it's it's not, I know they got to 22 points, but they only got one touchdown. It's not like they were picking the Elks defense apart. Right. I believe at, at halftime before their last drive, I think both teams were sitting at less than 100 yards. Like they were, I think they ended up the first half with something like 160. They got 300 yards in the, in the second half, I think, or close to it. But yeah, I think they were only 169 or something yards in the first half, BC was. So you're right. At that time, the, the game was not out of hand. And, and uh, But I, I, I guess I, I, I'm not Chris Jones. I'm not making the calls. I That is one that I would have questioned um, at the end of the day. Uh, is a, is a th- three points at that period of time going to make a difference? Possibly, but it certainly wasn't going to make. They weren't going to win the game, but you know, twenty-two to three, or even twenty-two to six. Right. Um, there was an awful lot of things that uh, that happened. Uh, fumbles. Key. You know, Ganey makes a great interception and runs it back and fumbles on the twenty. Or you know, they they fumbled the ball uh, offense. They fumbled the ball. All, they were fumbling it all over the place for a period of time. I think there was four fumbles and and. Uh, and so there was other things that just were backbreakers, as as Coach said in in that interview. There was things that broke the back. And uh, being a young team, um, you know, sometimes defense uh, can lift an offense up with the way they're playing. But but obviously there was there was so much confusion or so much uh, uh, so many problems and issues with the way either the, the plays were being called or certainly the execution of the plays um, that. Uh, they weren't going to be able to bounce back from that thing. Okay, and, and I got to ask you about the play caller. Uh, you you know my thoughts on McAdoo. I used to ask you about him in 14 and 15, and here we go again. And I know they won in 14. And f- I mean, they won the cup in 15, had a pretty good team in 14. But and, but uh, certainly I'm hearing from a lot of uh, frustrated fans tonight. Uh, it, but but I, I you know I talked to some other people today who like you played in the CFL on the condition of anonymity and and one of them said Reed everybody runs the same scheme so it's not really McAdoo's fault where where do you come down on that? Um, well I, I think I think you know and being in the league a lot you saw a lot of teams run similar type plays um, you you they 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 know what works in this uh, uh, in this league they know what works they know what's first of all when you got a high rate of turnover and you got uh, smaller type rosters compared to the NFL you have to have the you have to be able to put in uh, a system that people can pick up very quickly so that would make sense that they that they have that I I don't think that um, um, I, I, I can't believe that that the coaches are without fault I, I certainly don't want to put all the blame on them I certainly think that a lot of it goes on the execution of the players and understanding of the game, um, but no, I've I've heard things about uh, Matthew's offense in the past and his play calling and all that stuff as well. But he's had a considerable amount of success in this league, so so I guess for now I'll I'll, uh, I'll cut him some slack. Um, but I think that you know, you're right. Uh, we've got to have a quarterback in a short leash, and hope hopefully they can do a lot better in, in this next week. Um, uh, Toronto has traditionally not been a team that comes in here and blows the doors off off the Elks. Uh, so I think that uh, this is uh, this is an opportunity, and if they can certainly go out and beat the defending Grey Cup champions, um, that's going to go uh, a long ways to, towards uh, turning this, this thing around. All right. Blake, as always, I uh, appreciate it. A, a lot to discuss here. <laughs> a lot of people hope that this gets better in a hurry. But thanks for your thoughts tonight, Matt. Have a great week. Hopefully I'll see you on Sunday.
Okay, Reeve, just one, one last thing. You know, I, I was involved in the, on the uh, post-game show with uh, Brendan Escott, and I'd just like to say, boy, I, I appreciate the passion of people that are phoning in and the comments that they're making, but can we keep the F-bombs down to a limit? Yeah, I heard that. Wow, yeah, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also, <laughs> um, we don't all suck. So I just wanted to say that because we heard a lot of that on the weekend. <laughs> all right, fair enough, man. Appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's uh, Blake Dermott checking in. We got the Elks this week at 7.30. Morley Scott has a preview. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. from their previous game as called by Morley Scott. <laughs> but we don't have one, so we have nothing. I'm not going to play a 25-yard run because they fumbled on the next play. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to play an interception return because they fumbled on that very play. So you're coming in cold, Morley. How are you doing? I'm uh, all right. Thank you. And not only did they uh, fumble on that play, but Ed Ganey ends up getting hurt. Awful. Like, man, oh, man. Six game injured us today. And it, doesn't, and it sounds like six games is uh, on the optimistic side. It sounds like it's a pretty serious injury uh, for Ed Ganey. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, there, there's not much to crow about, is there, from that game on, uh, on Saturday night? Yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was a tough one. Um, you know, I, I have been saying, because uh, I, I did get a couple messages about the defensive play, and I said, look, I'm not going to harp on the defense uh, when the offense has zero. And here's the thing, Morley. Yep. There, there, there are seven, t- seven of the nine teams in the CFL have played two games because two teams have had buys. Mm-hmm. Of those seven teams, the Elks have allowed the second fewest points. So, <laughs> you know, the, again, the, they've... I know the defense is not perfect, uh, but they, they've done enough to at least uh, hang around in there, and there's just no – there's just no – and, and except for the gain that belonged by, by Eugene Lewis, they're not getting chunks of yards. You know, it's not like they're getting a 50-yard drive and then trying a, a short field goal. Like they're, they're not even pushing it down the field at all. Yeah, and to me, like, let's take those two together. You talk about the defense. Statistically, the Elks' defense is one of the best in the league right now. Uh, their offense, one of the worst because they're not producing points, they're not producing yards. But you got to believe, especially a shutout, that's a one-off. That's, you know, that it's only happened, you know, it happened in 1976 the last time. So uh, they got this one out of the way at least, right? So I, the offense is going to get better. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer of that. How much better has yet to be seen. Uh, and I, I know everybody wants to blame somebody, right? And, and uh, you're talking about uh, Stephen McAdoo and, and, and as the offensive coordinator. You can't really lay any blame at his feet until the players, you can't say it's his system because the players aren't playing his system. They're not executing. Let's let's give the system a chance to work by executing it and doing it properly first, right? Um, I, I, and then we can maybe make a decision on the play calling and, and all that stuff. But it's just, they're just making too many mistakes. They're just doing too many things that, that are hurting them right now. And they got to figure out a way to correct that. All right, who's coming up here? Uh, we're going to hear from Chris Jones a little bit. We also, uh, I also talked to Kevin Brown today and uh, Eugene Lewis, and we're going to go to Toronto and check in uh, with Mike Hogan, the play-by-play voice of the Argos, and see how they're doing as they begin defense of the Great Cup last night with a win over Hamilton. Elks this week with Morley Scott coming up after the 7.30 News.